Hello and welcome to the You Matter to Christ podcast. Many of our listeners and guests call this podcast an experience because throughout the variety of extraordinary people we have on the show, you'll hear stories of overcoming trauma, hitting record-breaking business goals, people forgiving the unforgivable, and yes, even miracles that will shock and inspire you. On this show, you'll hear from professional athletes, entrepreneurs, and everyday people from all walks of life. Discover the profound truth that regardless of your background or circumstances, you matter deeply to the creator of the universe. You were made for a purpose, and you matter to Christ. Get ready for inspiring stories, personal testimonies, and uplifting messages that remind us of the unchanging love and grace available to all. And remember this, you matter to Christ. Hey everybody, Chad Burmeister, and I'm your host of the Living a Better Story podcast. Today I am with Mike Henry, who has a company that I'm extremely uh, intrigued by. I was going to say jealous of, but uh, that's that's not the proper word. I, I love that he's created a company and and gets to stick with his passion. A lot of us kind of go through life at company to company. I think both me and Mike have done that over the years. Um, but his company is called Follower of One. And you can guess who the one is. Uh, I'll, I'll, we'll probably get into that a little bit today. But he's been doing this three years, 11 months, almost four. And we're going to dive deep today, get to know Mike Henry, share some of his story, some of the lessons that he's learned over time and, uh, and that sort of thing. So Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Oh, what exciting time. And it turns out you you know uh, Deb Brown Maher, who actually came to our first Loving a Better Story retreat. So what a small yes. world. And yes. uh, we're, we're, uh, we're praying for her as she goes through uh, some interesting stuff out there right now. So uh, may she get well soon and, yes. and recover. So, yes. well, let, let's dig in to start. I think I heard a couple numbers, 31 and 16. <laughs> what do those numbers mean to you? So I counted up that I've worked for 31 different people at 16 different companies in my career, uh, four different industries and in four or five different areas of the businesses, depending upon how you count it. Um, I used to tell people that I was career challenged, that if you looked up that term in the dictionary, it would say, see Mike Henry. And, uh, um, you know, I just felt like it was just one of those things. I was always I was a bad picker and some people were bad at hiring me. And it was just many of those companies were good companies, but they weren't good fits for me. Mm. Well, and I think so many of us go through life trying to please other people yeah. when once we figure out what our own fingerprint is built for, then life becomes so much easier. And now you've been there for four years. I've been here at ScaleX and, and now living a better story for four years. Yeah. And that's the longest run I've ever had. And it's doing the work that I love. Yeah. So let's, let's start. We're, that's the end destination. You're running your own company for the last four years. If you go back to when you're younger, what I've found is a lot of times our God-given talents are exposed to us at a young age because there's no blinders and filters put on yet that the world puts on. So to get to know you as a six-year-old, 
what did you love to do? What was your passion when you walked out the house? You know, what was your thing that you loved at age six or so? Mostly it was, you know, putting together pickup games of different kinds, right? Trying to, whatever season it was, if it's football season, we were playing football. If it was baseball season, we were playing baseball. Um, if it was basketball season, we'd be playing basketball. And I guess that's what I remember is hanging out with a bunch of other kids and trying to, you know, we played whatever sport, whoever brought the ball played. What did you enjoy most about that experience playing those kinds of sports with teammates? I, you know, just the opportunity to get to be with them. I think the thing that, um, you know, you, your questions kind of prompted me to think about this a little bit more, but it, the ability to, to, for us all to enjoy doing something together. That's just always been part of my story. I think is my best, my best jobs were places where we put together great teams and we accomplished something, you know, that people didn't expect necessarily to be accomplished. It was software development project or, you know, getting a, getting an office profitable or something like that. And, so looking uh, at those core those jobs that you that were amazing, right? You said there was a handful of experiences where you said, whoa, it came mm -hmm. together. What do you think the common DNA thread was that that made it an interesting opportunity for you and your team? Well, I think it was always that we shared a common goal, that our goal was not the pursuit, the pursuit of our own state or our own status, but we were always, we were all aimed at something that was outside of each of us, but we were also equally invested in it. I wish the country had that sort of uh, attitude <laughs> again, right? Yeah, it seems like there's not we, a common goal right now. It needs to get back to a common goal. Yeah, unfortunately, we tend to only do that anymore when we're under attack. Um, yeah. I, I even wrote a blog post years ago titled Remembering 913. And it was about what we were all thinking a couple of days after 9-11 and about how it was a, we were all united in pursuing something for the United States of America that was outside of each of us. Mm -hmm. The um, Robert White is part of Living a Better Story. He was one of the early human potential movement people in the world. He did work with Mind Dynamics and Est, which is now Landmark and and and, and right? Yeah. And he's, he calls it the third thing, mm -hmm. right? In a marriage, like there's him and her. And, and, and often, if it's a company, if it's a country, if there's a third thing that everybody needs to set their sight on, then amazing things can be accomplished. Um, personally, I think it's an interesting time in human history where the third thing now can, again, be back to the creator, right? We were all yeah. made by somebody. We didn't just get this fingerprint ability to breathe right. and the mountains and it didn't just show up in a magic pop, right. but it was, it was created. And, and I believe that a lot of what's going on ultimately leads us back to the truth, uh, which is, you know, the way the truth and the life conversations. Mm -hmm. Right. That's exactly right. I think all the other third things are bad substitutes, yes. even if it's your nation or if it's, a particular ideal or a church or a political party. Uh, all those other third things are substitutes that come short of, I think we were designed to have that third thing be God. Mm -hmm. 
Love that. I mean, that's the quote of the conversation today <laughs> and this year so far. So yeah, yeah, thank you for that. Drop the mic, interview's <laughs> over. I mean, that's pretty amazing. Awesome. So one thing that's been common on all of these conversations is we all face mountains in our pathways. And at the time, they could feel like the biggest mountain you've ever seen. And so, you know, you and I and everybody figure out a way around, above, under. Um, but if you think of one of those mountains, uh, you know, that you're comfortable sharing, uh, what would it be? And, and what was your way that you got around the mountain or over the mountain? Um, yeah, so I thought about this, you, you gave me a little heads up on this. So when I when I first tried to leave commission sales, uh, my father was in the freight business. And so I got my and I grew up working around truck lines, because that was easier than giving me an allowance. And so now as a as a someone who's graduated from college, trying to get a salaried sales job at a trucking company in Memphis, Tennessee, where my father worked, and he managed to arrange a number of interviews and connections for me. And I counted up that I interviewed over 40 different places for jobs and was turned down in all those places. Wow. And I hated looking for work. I always felt like looking for a job was trying to figure out what not to tell them so they'd hire you. Because if I talked long enough, I would talk myself out of a job, you know, they asked me enough questions or talked to me long enough, I would say something that would give them some reason not to hire me. And I just hate Once again, this was that what I disliked was I had to take my focus off of my dream of being about something that's the third thing and putting that focus on me being the first thing. Mm. And it was just miserable time. It was, it was a miserable effort. It was a very frustrating experience. And, um, and I, I just, I get, I can feel my heart rate going up talking about it now. Wow. So what, what kept you going one foot in front of the other? Cause I'm sure there's people out there, even though the news is saying, Hey, there's more jobs than people right now. Yeah. I have a stinking feeling that there's other people who are looking for 40 and told no every time also. Yeah. yeah. What do you tell well, those people? Well, and I even do some volunteering along these lines now, know what you're good at and and get to know fast I, I always try and encourage people to you know know what you're good at and if that's not going to be of any help to the person that you're talking to help them come to that conclusion help them find the right person and then you go find your right spot and often that right spot is a value exchange right where we we create some kind of a value and our best value is the stuff that we're energized and passionate and doing anyway. Big and, time. Um, and so I'll be more valuable if I'm working for somebody who really wants the real me. So it's interesting because I feel like when I interviewed for jobs, I did get most of them. However, my challenges was once, once I got there, the very first sales job I was fired out of. Uh -huh. And that was the same level of devastation that you just shared. Yes. Looking for jobs was the other side of that coin. Yes. And I remember just feeling devastated, like it was a gut punch. You know, mm -hmm. mom, dad, do I go, like I'm 22. Do yes. I, what's unemployment? 
I mean, do I file for that? And I think I did because I was like, hey, it's available. I might as well. And I think I probably got one check for two weeks or something and then yeah. and then landed the next job. But um, yeah, well, that was the closest. second miserable experience was the first time I ever applied for unemployment. It's like, I don't need money this bad. Yeah, that's right. It used to be it used to be a lot harder. You used to have to go stand in line and fill out paperwork and stuff like that. They made it a lot easier now. Yeah, right. Now you just <laughs> kind of wave a wand and say, "I need my extra three hundred dollars a week." And sure, <laughs> no problem. Can we wire it to you? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Times they are a changing, but uh, it's <laughs> very are. interesting. So, so thinking. I guess what I read about in flow, right? You think about mm -hmm. flow and I've always thought of flow as frictionless. Like you find the mm -hmm. right job and it's easy. Mm -hmm. Well, in the book flow, it actually says it's the intersection of you're good at it, but it's, mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean it's easy. It just yeah. means it's full. You can do the work and it's fulfilling. Correct. So the thing that was looking back, the stuff that was hard, you know, doing cold calls being fired from that first sales job. Yep. If I didn't earn those stripes, so to speak, over a 20 year period, then I think I would have been held at a level of success that wouldn't have come. So yeah. figuring out that being in alignment with your purpose and also doing hard things, how do you, how do you figure that out? It's hard. It is hard. I think you just, you know, it's just trying to not make the same mistake twice. And, you know, it, um, today's a mistake. Some of those jobs, right? Some of those jobs I took were miserable fits for me. And after some period of time, I could no longer manage the gap between what they wanted me to do and what I needed to do to survive. And I quit one job without having another job. I actually quit working for my dad's company the first time and I did not have another job. I just said, look, I can't do this anymore. He wanted me to just sit there and do what I was told. And I just couldn't be that guy. Yeah. Uh, and for many of the companies that I worked for, it was very discouraging because again, that the passion to be about a third thing, to use your words, uh, drove me. And most business owners are really only worried about their thing. If we're making money, then that's, that's the right thing. The business becomes the third thing. And I always wanted to aim higher than that. In fact, I, um, I kind of came up with a little motto for myself. My kind of purpose is to elevate purpose and mobilize people. I think an elevated purpose pulls us into the future. And, uh, you know, a purpose that's aimed lower, like the success of a business or the success of an individual, I, I don't have as much motivation to help a company or a individual be successful as I do uh, about helping a group of us achieve what I would consider to be ultimate success. Mm. I can remember a couple of years ago, I met with a guy named Townsend Wardlaw. He was my business mm -hmm. coach for about a year and a half, really life coach. Yeah. And um, we were in a Zoom meeting and we, it was an hour and a half. And he kind of got to the point, he goes, well, what do you want to do like after ScaleX? I'm like, I want to go on a cruise with my wife for a year. Okay, after that. And he just kept going to the afters. Uh -huh. And then I was like, hang on. And I had this shirt on that said Elevation Church on it because I uh -huh. went to Elevation in North Carolina for yeah. three or four years. And I was like, wait a minute. What I really wanted to do is open an Elevation here in Colorado at some point once I was resettled back into the Colorado area. Mm -hmm. And I happened to be wearing the shirt that day and I hadn't worn it in years. 
and and I'm like, and it was under the other shirt. And I'm like, yeah. are you serious? And so then once he said, Chad, if you can really connect to that vision, then hiring a CRO and management and checking the box on all the other stuff you need to do for your company will become crystal clear and easier. Mm -hmm. And he was right. And, and now living a better story has been born, yes. we're building an app and we're, we're focused on kingdom focused stuff that will make a ripple through eternity and not just through the dozens of years here on planet earth. Exactly. And it's amazing when you put God in the front seat and you go in the passenger mm -hmm. seat. That's right. That's pretty fun. Okay. So next question is really about, uh, uh, and it's a loaded question, accomplishment quite related question. What would change everything for you if you could wave the proverbial magic wand and you know, what, what would really change everything? Well, so I'm kind of working towards that right now. I mean, follower of one, the goal of follower of one is to build an online community that connects marketplace Christians all around the globe and helps them integrate their faith into their daily life. And um, we're, you know, I'm, I want it to be donor slash participant funded. So it doesn't really have a sales model associated with it, except that it is a sale every time a, a Christian reads some of our content or does anything with anything related to follower one, if they then choose to pray for their coworkers or to invest in the lives of the people that they work with, making their third thing being their relationship with God instead of their job and their own retirement and that kind of a thing. Every time they make that decision, that's a sale for us. That's a transaction that I'm looking for. I, I want to count the number of times one of these days. I'd love to count the number of times people say, I prayed for my coworkers today. That's the unit of measure. That's the brick. Mm -hmm. I exactly. just heard a speech in New York where they said New Jersey and New York were built around the same time. And, mm -hmm. and, and his thought was that they both had similar visions, but it was in the execution. And yeah. New York City focused more on the brick, brick by brick by brick. And then they just mm -hmm. built up and they, you know, they beat New Jersey in the long haul. Yeah. And yeah. so it's focusing on what is your brick. So I love that, you know, if you could have that in a counter where it was, hey, I prayed for someone, that's pretty neat. Rick Warren's, I think, was uh, from Purpose Driven Life Saddleback Church in SoCal, mm -hmm. was one more for Jesus, right? And it was, I just want one more, right? And I, I think yours is even moving upstream from that. The activity leads to the end destination, just like yeah. in sales, right? It's how many calls did you make? How many conversations did you have? Exactly. So that I like that as a as an idea for a brick. That's neat. Yeah. Okay. So if we go fast forward three years from today, this probably relates to the bricks we just talked about. Mm -hmm, it does. Um, and you look back and we're on podcast number two and you say, Chad, this was the most amazing three years. What happened during those three years? So um, we we're building out a lot of what we're trying to do right now, which is creating support elements for different uh, groups of people. So we created a lot of content for individuals. We're working now on creating it for churches and small groups and things like that. So three years from now, the most amazing thing would be if we actually had 100,000 people in an online community who were counting bricks, if you will, and who were taking part in through their church or through their business, 
doing what we call a marketplace mission trip. That's one of our activities, doing that a couple of times a year and praying for their coworkers more often. And that we're, that enough of them are donating that we can kind of support, have a support staff. Our goal is to be the, the um, support organization basically for workplace missionaries. I've seen, in fact, I attended a Christian-based leadership organization meeting once. And it's one of mm -hmm. these, it's maybe $800, $1,200 a month or something. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a couple that are out there. And I said, how, many, how long have you been around? And I think it was 20 years or something. Mm -hmm. How many members do you have? Uh, we're really proud, 2,000 or something. Mm -hmm. I'm like, 20 years and 2,000 members. Correct. Like, that's cool. But how do we get to a level where millions of people get impacted, right? I'm always thinking yeah. bigger ripple. So am I. What do you think is the blocker of people that have Christian values, bringing them into their workplace or being open enough to go to a men's group like this once a month? Like, what is it that keeps that group at 2,000 or 3,000? How do we change that? So I, I think... Um, well, I'm the way I'm praying to do it is helping people see that there is something they can do Monday through Saturday. Uh, there were there were times in my Christian career, my Christian life and business career, where I thought there was really the only thing for me to do was to just stay out of trouble until Sunday. There was nothing the church could do for me where I worked. If I could get back to the church, they could do something else for me. But where I worked, they couldn't do a whole lot. And of course, some of that's loosening up through Zoom and things like that. But still, there's this kind of consumer model that exists. And I either put myself in that market or I take myself out of that market by how much demand there is on the rest of my time. And part of the reason we've designed Forward One the way we have is we want it to work in your non-discretionary time. You know, you ought to be able to work on a production line and still be a full-time minister for Jesus and uh, or work in a call center, taking a call. Every time you hang up the phone, another one rings in. You still have time to pray for the people that you're talking to. And so there's got to be a way where in my non-discretionary time, I can start to take some action. Then I think the problem is we all have these habits. I get, I do my church thing when I'm in that bucket. And I do my other things when I'm in that bucket. And as long as I don't hit the newspaper or make it on TMZ or something like that, then I'm okay. So this morning I did a podcast in person and the name of it is, I think it's called the chair of joy. And mm -hmm. they bring this white chair around that looks like a king or queen's chair and you sit in it and they have cameras, spotlights, 20 minute conversation, a uh -huh. couple minutes, meditate interview conversation. And her ask at the end of this session was, hey, can you commit to three times a day, just focusing on connecting the dots with something that made you really joyful in life, mm -hmm. right? And there were two or three moments that I envisioned during this. Yeah. And, and what I think of it as is there's 60 to 80,000 thoughts that a normal person has in a day. And of those, more than half, up to 90% for some people are negative. Yeah. So think of this roaring river in Colorado with stage four rapids, and you put your raft on, there's no turning that river. That's like your thoughts. 
Yes. The only way to do it is to purposefully like have something that triggers you to go, okay, I can't do my Facebook. I'm going to get off my phone for one minute right now mm -hmm. and think about that joyous moment in life. For me, it'd be like my grandfather's retirement at the top of Mobile Oil Tower in Dallas. Mm -hmm. And it was like one of those magic moments. And you go to that and you go, okay, all those memories and great stuff or your kids being born or whatever. Yeah. So now you can shift what goes down the river of your mind every day. And people who are living in depression, if you just try that simple little thing three times a day, pick a positive thought, mm -hmm. man, I, it feels like that those kinds of simplistic algorithmic kind of things could change everything. Yeah, that's that's actually similar to what Sean Acor wrote about in the Happiness Advantage. I think it's the name of the title of that book. Uh, also, yeah, but but I also believe that for, as Christians, we always have that opportunity. The Holy Spirit buys us this the split sep, second where we can take every thought captive, and so even if we take our bad thoughts and give them to Jesus, then He can give us joy out of them. Um, you know, one of the things you you talk about in some of the things we talk about in our questions about living a better story. Now I can look back at all the frustration of my career and see how it's gone into what follower of one became. Uh, you know, and I couldn't do any of that in the short term back in the day because I had no idea what follower of one would be. But I see how God's managed to kind of fit me together for this thing. And it's exciting. If I pray for my coworkers and then I hear about something they did, I can take my joy right out of that because I was a participant in that. They don't know because I prayed for them on my own. But mm -hmm. God has this ability to put us right where he wants us to be in the lives of every person we work with. I had a conversation with Carlos Hidalgo the co-founder of Annuitus, which is a really mm -hmm. big marketing agency, basically. And they were one of the top three, right? He was there 15, 17 years. He chased everything except his marriage and his kids. And he now wrote a book yeah. about it. He's now sold his house. And now he's, he's separated from his wife for a year. It was a painful experience, oh. but he's back and they're remarried. Cool. Yeah. And he's just a follower. And here's the quote that he gave, which fully lines with what you just said. Yeah. Even the ugliest part of your story is not your story because it's still being written. That's right. Right. It, That's right. It, it's a chapter of the story, but the story, the book is yet to be finished. So exactly. like, let's flip the page and let's get to the next chapter. It's still part of the book. You can't change that. That's right. But you can change the next chapter. That's and the right. chapter that's you're a, on today, right? That's a yeah. white page that you're writing on right now. So, yes, I thought that. Well, was and I have another friend who talks about stewarding your story, that even our story is part of God's plan. And so, okay, God, what do you want me to do with this really ugly chapter in my story? Mm. And usually the ugly chapter becomes the chapter that's the most important chapter yeah, of the life, it? right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's really cool. Okay. Next question is if an action, and I like to, I'm going to give you a curveball here. So this one's okay. fun because usually most people would ask, what would you tell your 20 year old self? So I guess we could do that one first, right? What would you tell your younger self? You know, easy. You haven't seen anything yet. You ain't seen nothing yet. You know, I was so smart. Um, 
I, I tell people that my handicap is arrogance. And, um, and so I knew everything when I was 20. And uh, I would tell me to shut up longer. <laughs> That's good. I remember the pastor that we had, we had two pastors, mine and my wife's when we got married. And uh, both pastors had incredible feedback, right? The, my wife said, you can do anything for any amount of time as long as you know why. Yeah. So that one I've used a lot of times yes. in life. And then my pastor during the live ceremony, he just looked at me and shook his head and he said, he is not through with you yet. He <laughs> is right. not through with you yet. And he used it twice. And I was like, oh, great. <laughs> what do you mean by that? And then yeah. all of the things that happen in life, you're just like, okay, <laughs> now yeah. I see what you're talking about. And it, and it gives you opportunities to be a witness um, over, yeah. over your whole life. So, all right. So here's the advanced question, which is think about, this is a vision exercise that I've, uh -huh. I had, it took an hour one time. So I'm going to give you the two minute condensed version. Okay. You walk outside of your house, you go into this big open field and there's this bird, like think of the joust bird that people would get on, right? When you played as a kid and you jump on this bird and it's very safe. And the bird takes you up into the clouds. You're not buckled in. It's fine. You're just flying. Mm -hmm. Takes you 20 years into the future and then takes you down to where you're living at that time, 20 years from now. And you come down out of the clouds, you, you then get, you know, you park wherever that is, you get off the bird, you go knock on the door and you meet your future self. Mm -hmm. And you kind of take inventory of what you see, what's the house look like, shake your hand and kind of look around. What do you see there? Then you're, you know, you kind of exchange pleasantries. You're about to leave and you go, hey, what's one tip that you would give me? The 20, the same 20 year ago question, but now it's your future self, right? Telling you of what you're right now. And so now you get back on the stork, you come back and you're here. What did that future you tell yourself that you can learn from or, and what did you notice in the room in that environment? That's a, that's actually a great, uh, a great question. I have to think about that for a second, but I'll tell you that. So 20 years from now, I'd be about the same age as both my parents were when they passed away. So uh, I'm getting old. I don't want to admit that, but you know, you just there's nothing you can do about it. Um, I kind of hope that his comments would be, it was a good thing you didn't quit. You know, that you stuck with it because what what we're trying to do is very difficult and it's very hard. I even had a friend today go, well, if that's not being very successful, why are we doing it? And, you know, we're not doing it to be successful. We're doing it because it's what we want to do. Mm -hmm. um, and I also think you would say, and you thought you were shutting up longer, but you probably still needed to <laughs> shut up longer, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, it, what's what's interesting to me with that thought experiment, and again, try mm -hmm. it sometime when you really have a half hour meditation, yeah. and it it's amazing what you see. Yeah. The takeaway for me was, okay, I can still picture that. I went to somewhere in Greece, and I was looking down on a cliff, mm -hmm. and it was simple. There wasn't a lot of stuff, yeah. but the thing is, that doesn't have to be where it, it where it really ends up in 20 years. Yeah. And so that's the fun part is you can look forward and go, that could happen. 
Mm-hmm. And, and that's a cool outcome that my subconscious took me to, but maybe I actually want to be living in Vail or moving to somewhere other than Greece or who knows. Yeah. Um, but it's fun when you can go talk to yourself in the future and then give yourself mm-hmm. advice. There's so much happening under the hood that it was just a really interesting thought. Experience. Yeah. In, in fact, I hope I'm enjoying the fact that I haven't been actively involved in follower of one from a responsibility standpoint for several years and that it's going without me. Mm, yeah, that's good. Well, I think we're here for a reason. Obviously our apps coming out, yeah. Robert White's part of living a better story. He's transformed 1.3 million people from a mindset perspective. Mm-hmm. And my job in all of it is to inject the Christianity belief in a higher power. He mm-hmm. he's a believer, but uh, it wasn't necessarily on the packaging of the mindset courses. And there's only been a handful of that have ventured out into, Hey, by the way, if you do all that mindset stuff and you connect with the straight telephone wire into your creator, you know, look out what actually is possible. So I I think we're meant to be on this conversation and, uh, Deb was put in my pathway and, you know, anything I can do to be helpful of follower of one, um, count me as all in. Well, I'm grateful. And the same goes for me. I, there are no accidents. Um, I, I can't define the ultimate success. I hope that we're all pursuing it, right? Because if we're pursuing it, a success that exists here on this planet, it won't go with us. Mm. Well, and the last question then is, and we've sort of touched on this, but I'd like to end with a, with an exclamation point at the end. And that is what role does faith play in your journey? Sometimes people say, Hey, it hit me at age 37. Sometimes it was given to them by their parents. I'd be curious on, you know, when did faith come into your life and and what role does it play? Yeah, I actually became a Christian at age 30 through frustration at work. We were already married my wife was a believer. I, I was a born in America Christian. I wasn't Jewish and I hadn't killed anybody and I was born in America. So I thought I was a Christian. And, um, and I acknowledged God and I acknowledged Jesus. And if they'd leave me alone, I'd leave them alone. And that's kind of how I lived. And, uh, but my career being screwed up and frustrating and miserable And my wife was also challenging me to get more involved in church. She was now realizing that I was not a true Christian. And so she was pushing me to get more involved in church. My employer wanted me to just do what I was told. Uh, So I decided to go to church because I could tell my wife, no, I couldn't tell my employer, no. And um, I spent two or three months involved in church. And that's when I became a Christian on a Saturday at a workshop when I first learned about salvation being by grace alone. And I was blown away. But then on Sunday afternoon, I got this pit in my stomach because I had had to go back to the same frustrating job. And I started begging God to get me out of there. And I tell people that I've been in the faith at work movement for 33 years, because that was 33 years ago. The day after I became a Christian, I was miserable in my job trying to figure out how to integrate my faith into my daily life. Mm, and that's, uh, that's, that's what we're trying to do with follower one well in attending that session with this company that's been around for 20 years mm-hmm. it turns out there are legal uh 
cases that you can bring Christianity into work. And I think a lot of people think that, well, you know, how dare you, you know, that's your faith, keep it outside the doors. And, um, and it's just not true. So if you are a Christian or you're, I mean, whatever your religion is, and you believe strongly in your faith, you actually have the right to form a group inside of your company. So I'd encourage you if you've been working at home during Zoom meetings for a year and a half, you know, I look at it as, hey, now you're in my house yeah. and and realize that legally in the United States of America, at least in the world we live in today, yeah. you're still allowed to bring your faith to work. Now, there's certain rules and requirements of how you may do that. You can't yeah. force people to pray, but you certainly can say, hey, is it okay if I pray for you? That's an okay yeah. statement to make at work. So yeah. I, I love the fact that there's so many people like you that are out there to, to make a difference for the one that matters. Yeah. Well, thanks for that. I mean, we, we talk about, there are five things that we talk about that we can all do every day. And four of those require no speech whatsoever. If we pray for others, if we appreciate people, if we are prepared to talk about what we believe and if we serve others, if we live this life that Jesus called us to live, then other people will ask us about it. So even if we're in an environment where it's not accepted, when somebody asks you the question, they're opening the door for you to give them the answer. And, and we talk about our fifth daily activity being speak for yourself. I don't want to tell them how to live. I tell them how my faith changed me. That's right. Amazing. Well, I've certainly seen miracles in 2021. I've seen miracles over the last several years. And when you just open your eyes and be open to the miracles that are happening around you every day, it's, there's no other way to explain what's going on in the universe. That's right. That's awesome. Well, Mike, this has been an amazing conversation. Thanks for being on the Living a Better Story podcast. I, I look forward to meeting you live at one, one point yeah. uh, here. And, and let's see where these lines inter- interject. And um, I'll, I'll pray for you. And I know you, we'll both be praying for Deb and, uh, and her, yes. her uh, positive outcome here. So, Yeah, thanks very much, Chad. Thanks for having me. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining the Living Better Story podcast. Mike Henry Sr. with the company followerofone.org. That's how you get them. It's Mike at followerofone.org. And uh, really cool. I'm so excited to continue the conversation. Thank you for joining us on the You Matter to Christ podcast. We hope this journey has reminded you of the incredible truth that your life holds immense value and significance to Christ. As you go about your day, may you carry the assurance that no matter what you face, you are deeply cherished and loved. Remember, You matter to Christ. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with others who may benefit from this message. Stay tuned for more transformative episodes where we continue to explore the depth of God's love and grace. Until next time, remember that you are not alone. Christ's love is with you, guiding and strengthening you every step of the way. May your life be filled with hope, purpose, and the knowledge that you matter to Christ.